So let me share that with you. How many of you have ever heard the story of the three blind men and the elephant? Okay, this is a story about three blind men and an elephant. Okay, all right, so there were three blind men and an elephant. And uh, they didn't know what an elephant was, what it looked like. They never even could fathom it, and they wanted to get a sense of it because the people around them said, this is a magnificent creature. It's amazing. And they said, let us, let us bring us near it. Let, me, let us see. So they brought one of the blind men behind the elephant, and he was able to touch the tail and feel it. And they brought another blind man over to his legs on his side and, and next to him. And as he was feeling the legs, he's, oh, this is amazing. And they brought the other blind man to the front of the elephant, and he felt the trunk, the thing twisting and turning. It was awesome. They had an amazing experience with this elephant. And afterwards, they came back and said, what did you think of this phenomenal animal? And they said, it was amazing. And the first blind man said, it was an interesting thing that would swish back and forth. It was like a, a switch that I, I know farmers and cattle leaders would have as a long rope with a uh, fur on the end of it to switch and cause the cows to move forward and herd the cattle. It was this strange thing like that. And the second blind man said, that's not it at all. I don't know where you were, but it's as big as an oak. It's round and it's immovable and it's rough. These big round areas of the elephant, whatever that is. And the other man said, no, you got that all wrong. He said, it's like a snake. It's winding and turning and it moves and this and that. So were they right or were they wrong? They were all right. And they were wrong in the sense of what that was the totality of the elephant. It wasn't, was it? The elephant was bigger than their experience. Wouldn't you agree? And so many times we look at something in a narrow view or in just what's appearing to us at the moment, and we don't see what? The big picture. And what I want to share with you today is the big picture of who we are, where, what we're doing, and where we're going. And many of us are experiencing something now, and we're saying, looking at it, and uh, figuring out that it's maybe the snake or the trunk of the elephant or the foot or the, the tail. There's a big picture behind what we're trying to accomplish and what we're doing as a church. And I would like to take you there and remind you of the big picture. Good leaders should always remind the people what is the big picture? What are we trying to accomplish? Instead of getting caught up in the present, what's our destiny and purpose as a people? Have you ever had that experience? Huh? You ever had to do something if you're making something and you have to do preliminary work? That's no fun. I want to do the fun stuff, right? And uh, you want to get into the big moving and shaking, and right now it's just the planning and this and that. So it depends on what you're looking at to always remember the big picture. So let me take you to the very first question of the big picture is what's our purpose? What are we doing as a church? Who's Christ Community Church? And why do we gather together? Well, let me remind you of what our purpose is. It's always been this way. This is our 21st year. We've developed this church on this vision statement and this purpose. We're here to effectively impact our community by making disciples of Christ. So there's a twofold part to this. Number one is we need to become disciples of Christ. We need to follow the Lord and obey His commands. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth and below the earth. Now therefore, go. 
into all nations, to all people groups, to all ethnicities, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. So we're responsible to learn all that Jesus has commanded so that we could teach others how to follow and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. I guess we would have to do that first, wouldn't we? We need to learn how to obey the Lord and live that life. And as we collectively come together and we're learning how to do this, we should then be demonstrating the character and qualities of Christ that it would naturally impact the community. And I I emphasize naturally because we have a new nature. If you say you're a Christian and you're a believer, then you should have a new nature, not an old nature. The new nature is Christ's nature. And so naturally, if there's a church in a community, in a society, nature would dictate that it's different than the society around it, and it's giving an impact. Wouldn't you agree to that? Right? There's something different in us that we have that the world desires and longs for. They just don't know it. They don't know what that is. They know they need something, and so they try a bunch of different things and experiment with all sorts of stuff. And what we need to do is impact their lives with what nature Christ has put in us. Does that make sense to you? And so in doing this, that's our purpose and plan as a church. I believe every church should impact a community. And we said our community, we defined it specifically. We said our community that we're going to put all our effort in is from 8 mile to 16 mile from Grosbeck to the lake. We believe that that is a unique corridor uh, between Detroit and suburbs so that we can impact this area with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're responsible for that community. And so that's the big picture, everybody. That's what we're doing here. That's why you're here at church. That's what we're learning and growing after 21 years. And this next phase of what we're into is getting us closer to that ultimate purpose of impacting our community. See, the big picture is we believe by 2020 we're going to plant three new churches in that footprint that I told you about. Because what we want to do is multiply as disciples are increasing, as people are growing in the Lord, then there are going to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers in this congregation that are rising up. And as they're rising up, we're going to place them out into the community so that there are more uh, lights and more effect of the presence of Christ in this community to impact it. Does that sound like a plan to you? Is that a good plan? Can we, could you agree with me on that plan? We want to win this community, and we've got strategies to do it. We've already developed a, a, a discipleship institute. We're developing ministries of the prophetic and of healing. We want to get out there. We want to touch people's lives and change them. And so in the process of doing that, we believe the next phase is that we need to renovate this facility. So we want to renovate the facility so that we can win our city for Christ. I've called this facility a launch pad, a discipling center, something that we want to do to uh, develop this working place as a greenhouse for disciples to grow so that we could plant. And that's the bigger picture, okay? Now, so uh, we're basically a church, Some folks are afraid that I've said 
I want to become a discipling center. This is a launch pad for the next phase we're in. And I want to encourage you, we can't lose the big picture of what a church is. We're not becoming a school. We're not becoming a, 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 a unique discipling center. We're a church. May I say that a church, though, is a school and a discipling center altogether. Don't lose that concept. We want to be a biblical church. I say biblical because there's a lot of places out there that say church on the front door, and they're not necessarily biblical anymore. So we want to remain biblical. We know that the Bible is everything that we are drawing from and led by the Holy Spirit. So what is a biblical church? And let's uh, get the big picture on that. So we don't want to lose what a church does, and we're not going to. Now don't get caught up at at, at this place where we're at as a, a building program, you might get caught up and think that's all we are, and you think that's either the leg or the trunk. Remember the big picture. We're a church. And what we need to do is remember what a church does. Number one, the church gathers together to worship God. Now, I, other churches have different programs and, and, and activities and callings, and that's between them and the Lord. That's not my business. I don't need to judge or denigrate anything another church does, as long as it's biblical. All right? And they have, people have different positions and callings. But for this, for us, we're called to be the church, as, we had, as I discern in Scripture, the bride of Christ coming together, worshiping the bridegroom. Church is not a place that we're evangelizing the lost. You're to be doing that every day outside the church. The church is the place where the saved come together to hear from the Lord. The ecclesia, the ecclesia, the called out ones come to hear the will of the Lord and to declare it into the earth, to worship God and to know Him. Now Paul said when lost people come into that kind of a gathering, he said in 1 Corinthians 12, they'll fall to their knees and declare, surely God is in this place. We need a church that's filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, amen? That's how people get saved. Did you know that people get saved by the work of the Holy Spirit, not our argument, not our best discussion? So if we're a people gathered together in the presence of God with the move of the Holy Spirit, lost people will get saved. They will. But we need to concentrate on the big picture that where two or more are gathered, Christ is in our midst. We're here to meet with Jesus. And that's what we want to accomplish. That's the big picture of why we're here. Secondly, a church equips the saints. Ephesians 4.11 says that in the fivefold ministry there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they are given to the church to what? Equip the church for the service of God. And so they are equipping. So a church not only is a worship center, it's an equipping center. And that's what we're focusing on in this next building phase is the equipping aspect. It doesn't negate from the worshiping center, but it adds to it as an equipping center. We want to have more adult classrooms. We want to have secure classrooms for our children so that we can equip the church. Thirdly, we want to train in righteousness. Amen? And, and so uh, we are training in righteousness because Paul says that the Word of God is good for instruction and training in righteousness. And we want to not only learn about Jesus, but live Jesus. 
It doesn't do this community any good for us to gather together, sing songs to Jesus, worship Him, learn about Him, and be of no effect out there. That's counter to our vision and purpose as a people. I don't want to build a bigger building or add on to this building if we're not doing the big picture. And that is a training in righteousness so that when we walk out here, we're touching lives with the Spirit of Jesus. They smell the aroma of Christ on us. They feel the compassion of the nature of God through the fruit of the Spirit that's born in our hearts and minds. Amen? And so that's why we're here. We're worshiping God. We're equipping the saints and we're training in righteousness. And thirdly, because a church is a place that brings healing and salvation. We pray for the sick here. I want it so that when when you're talking to friends, you let them know we're going to put you on our prayer chain and we're praying for you at our church because our people believe our God can heal. Our God can save. And when you're talking to friends and they get saved, you say, come on to my church. I want you to experience the presence of Jesus. It might freak you out a little bit. There's people that might sing, they might dance, they may speak in tongues, they may prophesy. But if you would just be patient and experience the presence of Jesus, something that is so supernatural that you're not used to, hang in there, you'll want more. That's what I want to invite people into. And so that's the big picture of what we're doing. Because we're launching into this building program and this activity, it doesn't take away from the what? big picture. It might be the trunk for a while. It might be a leg for a while. But if you're solely focused on that, you're not getting the big picture. All right? And so that's what I want to present to you. Now, I like this slide. The church has left the building. Amen? That's the picture. That's the big picture. And it reminds me of Elvis, right? That's really kind of where the saying comes from. You got because everybody loved Elvis. Like, oh, Elvis, he's great, yeah, yeah. And so they'd cheer and cheer when he was done, and then the band would keep playing. And he'd come on for another encore, and people go, ah, yeah, yeah. But what would happen is when Elvis was just tired, he was just beat, you know, because he gained a lot of weight. But anyways, he was really tired, and. And the band's going, the guy would come out and say, Elvis has now left the building. Because they wanted the people to leave. <laughs> Elvis is gone. But that's kind of, that phrase has now come into our culture and our understanding. And so I think it's cool, the concept that, hey, guess what? The church has left the building. The church is not about the building. So don't get stuck on the concept Oh, we're in this big building program. He wants our money, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. That's all this church is about. No, it's not. The big picture is not about the building. The church is going to leave the building. We're all going to leave the building, right? And I don't mean when you die or when we get raptured. We need to leave the building and do the work of the kingdom, right? Amen. Now, I felt like Elvis all week. I don't know, so I had to stick them in my sermon somewhere. <laughs> you ever have a twitch in a muscle? I had a twitch on my upper lip right here all week, and I felt like elves. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I was worried that people saw me, and if they were looking at me, my lip was doing that. <laughs> so I kept looking in the mirror. You know, you ever feel overconscious about it? So I kept thinking that people are looking at me, and I'm going... 
It's not good. Anyways, the church has left the building, but what about the building? There is a building. We gather in a building. We don't need to debate about that. I mean, churches gather under trees. Churches gather in homes. Uh, People say, well, the right thing is the early church gathered in homes, but the early church gathered in public as well at Solomon's Colonnade, which is not a restaurant. Churches gather in restaurants all the time. But that was the public court, the square where, where uh, the church gathered. And when they were gathering, it says in the book of Acts that as Peter and the apostles were walking to the colonnade where the church would gather, people were getting healed simply by their shadow passing. They'd line in the streets when the apostles were going to church. Woo, because they'd get healed just because of the shadow falling on them. Now that's an evangelistic program. Huh? Could you imagine people lined up down, Kelly, because you're coming to church? That's cool. That's cool. But see, the church is not the building. The building is not the church. We occupy a building only for convenience' sake and for the purpose of what we're doing. So the question is, while we're pursuing this, is does the building serve the purpose of what we want to accomplish? Because I don't want to serve a building. Do you understand that? Is the building church serving our purpose? Now, we have spent seven years wrestling with this, trying to find the heart of God on what we're to do. And one of the things we did come to a conclusion on is this. We don't want to serve a building. We don't want to try to build something so big and so elaborate and so exhaustive that it's going to take all of our finance, all of our efforts, and many years to accomplish. We recognize to scale it back so that we could keep our eye on the big picture and simply renovate what we have so we can move forward and then renovate this building to serve our purpose and us not serve the building. And so that's what we're looking at here. And so we want this building to serve the purpose and to look at the big picture. And last of all, we want to be good stewards. We want to be good stewards with our money and our finance and the facility we have. And there are churches called to build big churches, but I believe we're called to build the kingdom. And we're to be good stewards. Now, I find it interesting that stewardship is talked about a lot in Scripture. Money is talked about a lot in Scripture as an analogy. And it's interesting because all those analogies seem to refer to the big picture that's not about money, but about the Holy Spirit in us. The stewardship is all about, what are you doing with my spirit? He invested his Holy Spirit in us. The parable of the talents, and that's not, you know, baton twirling. Talents is money. Talents is, the t- uh, is what they called a dollar bill or a dinero or a, uh, their, their money. And so the parable of the talents or the money in the end is all about the Holy Spirit invested in you. The big picture about being stewards of God is this. Paul says we are stewards of the mysteries of God. So what is our stewardship really all about? Finance? Sure. There's some of that in there. We're supposed to be responsible for finance. But the real stewardship is, I've been given all power in heaven and earth and below the earth. Now, therefore, go into all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. There's our stewardship, is to win the lost. We're back to the big picture again. We've got to keep that big picture in our heart and in our mind. 
That's what the leadership of this church is doing in this building program. We're keeping the big picture in mind. This isn't as glorious as some of you would like. You would love a bigger building. You would love more parking, a bigger sanctuary, and all that. But will that suit the bigger picture of what we're trying to do? It'd be nice to have, but I think we'd be preoccupied. To be quite honest with you, I really think we would. And I'd rather get this thing done and move on to saturating this community with more apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers out into the community, people sharing the love of God and the love of Christ into a vision and purpose that stewards the mysteries of God to the lost. That's my heart. That's our heart. So who's in charge? Let's look at the big picture. Well, who's in charge is the leadership. And so there's a level of trust that you have to have. Because when you're evaluating this process and we've had a chance to talk and chat with you and you have ideas and input and, and some of you want a different input, I want you to, I want to build up your trust in the leadership of this church. I know many of you have it. But I just want to encourage you with this. Again, seven years ago, the elders began to press into prayer and say, we need to do something for the growth of this church and the development of our plan and purpose. That was seven years we've wrestled with this. We've looked at properties. We've been into buildings. We've looked at construction. We looked at this. We looked at that. We, we went over plans and under plans and through plans and all sorts of stuff. The structure of the leadership of this church is right now uh, we had five elders that were pursuing this. Uh, Steve Van Basler has now moved uh, down south, so now there's four, but he was involved in this whole process. So we had five elders that were praying and seeking the Lord. Once a week, every Tuesday morning we meet. And then on Tuesdays and Fridays, our pastors got together. You see, our elders set me and established me as the chief elder and the pastor, and they allow me to hire a staff of pastors to complete the vision that I have for the church. And so I have five pastors, including myself. And so the breakdown of leadership is we have five elders praying in seeking the face of God, five pastors who are pursuing and trying to understand what do you want done, Lord? How should we do this? And we've wrestled with this for uh, on and off for seven years, seeking it, setting it aside, looking at different issues, coming back to it. And when we came back to it, and as we were struggling through this, we then hired architects and builders to continue to educate us and teach us on what would be best for this facility. And so in the end, what you have to do is put your trust in us in that we did our due diligence. We served our Lord. We sought God. We sought experts. And we're presenting to you what we believe is the best possible project that fits the big picture. And I hope you can trust that. Now again, some of you might look at this elephant and you might say, I think it's this or I think it's that. And that's fine. And, and share it with us. And we might be able to give you a perspective if you draw back a little further and see that the reason it's not all about the trunk, it's because it's also about the tail. And we can give you a perspective. We've been looking at this at a big picture, small pictures, tiny, big. We looked inside the ears of the elephant. We just looked down his throat and everything. So we've evaluated everything we can do, and we really believe this is our project. This is what we want you to come alongside with. This is part of our destiny, and we believe it fulfills the big picture of our vision. 
I hope you can agree with that. I hope you walk with us in that and come to that conclusion as well. Well, are we going to get it all right and perfect? No, but God's used to that. He'll, he'll fix what we mess up. He really is. And some of you might say, well, they should have done it this way, and I told you so, and this and that. It's all right. Could you just walk with us, though? Let's walk in unity. Let's move forward. We've done the best we can. We do what we know. And I believe that we're going to move forward with it. I'm excited about it. So the question is, can we do this? I am asking you as a church to raise $1.2 million in 18 months. That's a lot, isn't it? And, and so you have to ask yourself, can we do this? Well, maybe we should ask, should we do this? I would most definitely say, yes, we should. We must. We need to do these things so that we can get this building up to where it should be renovated and updated to where it needs to be. So the question comes back, can we do this? In this economic time, in these difficult times, can we do it? Why 1.2? Why? Why? Because I want to do this without taking a loan out. And not only paying for all the construction, but also paying off the mortgage and being completely debt-free. Now, that's setting a high standard, but it's because I believe, I guess I could answer your question now, can we do this? Yes, we can. Absolutely we can. In the power of unity, if we would gather together, we can accomplish this. The power of multiplication, with everybody sacrificing and giving what they can, we can do this. I have absolutely no doubt about it that we can do this. So that's not even the question. Here's the question. Will we do this? And so that comes back to all of us. Will we do this? Do you believe this is the right way to go? Is this going to keep the big picture? And will it bring Christ Community Church to the next level and next phase of its purpose of impacting the community? Will it be worth it? Will I get behind it? And that's the question that has to be answered next week. We're asking you to turn in your pledge cards next Sunday. And so it's going to help us understand, will we do this? I believe we can. And I'm asking you to get behind it so that we will. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads and ask the Lord for His help.